You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we look back at the Jets' loss to Washington, plus a look around the NHL and an updated look at the Jets' prospect season so far. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, good to be back at it after a week off, rested, refreshed, sunburned. I'm ready to go. A couple of days out there in Miami. And I mean, outside of a bit of a hiccup on the weekend for the Jets, it was more of the same. W's, W's, points, points. I guess we got to touch a little bit about the Capitals game, but for the most part, the vibes are still doing good out there in Winnipeg. And um, I mean, who's going to complain midway through December with the Jets at the top of the Central Division? But we'll break it all down, everything that we missed. Appreciate you guys tuning back in. Like I mentioned, unfortunately had to take the end of uh, last week off. Couldn't do the episode out there in Miami for a uh, brief work trip, but I'm back home. Actually happy to be home, to be honest. Um not a big, uh, not a big fan of planes. So traveling <laughs> doesn't always uh, treat me well. Uh, but good to be back at it here. Good to be back talking hockey and helping me do so once again. My co-host CJOB's Tyson Rewicki. Tyson, how's it going? How was the weekend? Oh, fantastic! Weekend was good. It was uh, a couple early mornings on the weekend, but uh, you know, it was always it's always fun working. Uh, on the morning show on the weekends with uh, Kevin Bergen. So we we always have a blast. So it wasn't 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 too bad waking up early. If, before we get started, though, we were talking uh, before this up before we started recording, and you had a bit of a mishap with with one of your restaurants, eh? Oh, <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Um, so we had a plan. We we kind of planned out. Um, you know, just to kind of explain briefly. Uh. Our work usually takes us out for lunch and dinner each of the days that we're there. And so we had the plan to obviously be in Miami to go to a local Cuban spot. Because, I mean, there's one every five seconds that probably serves some of the best Cuban food that you'll ever have. So I was all jacked up because I, I've i had Cuban, but not like not Miami Cuban. So I was I was pretty I was, I was pretty ready to go uh, day of our reservation. We find out lunch has been canceled. Due to a sinkhole in the restaurant. 
Oops. Oopsies. <laughs> <laughs> our our restaurant crumbled. Can't serve today. Come back tomorrow. Uh, they they made it seem too like it was only going to be like a brief thing, which was kind of like your restaurant is in the earth. That sounds bad. Um, but I ended up working out okay. We went to uh, kind of like a a Miami version of the Commons, right? right. Like a I don't know a food hall. If I don't know what the right term is, something like that. Uh, it was really nice place, and they had it was kind of cool because they had, you know, they they didn't have like restaurants per se. It was more so like a different world cuisine at each stop. Ooh. You could kind of like pick and choose which place around the world you wanted to eat. Uh, I went Peruvian. Uh, I've seen a lot of Peruvian food on on Food Network. I know Bobby Flay's like he must have oh. went he must have went there once, and now he's like I'm a Peruvian expert. So I was I've I've been kind of intrigued to try um, try the cuisine. It's it's interesting too because uh, for those that don't know, now I'm an expert because I had it once. <laughs> um, but for I, I don't know the reason behind it necessarily. But Peruvian food is essentially a fusion of Latin America and Japanese or Asian cooking. Whoa. It is, it's really bizarre. I knew that before going in, and then I saw it, and I was like, oh, they were, like, legitimately telling the truth. <laughs> because they had, like, they had fried rice dishes. A lot of their, a lot, a lot of the things on the menu had, like, soy sauce or wasabi. Like, it's... It's it's cool. It was and it was really good. I I had this awesome dish. I there's a famous Peruvian pepper called aji amarillo. It's like a yellow chili. So I wanted to get something with that. It was just like it was. I mean, it, it took them like 45 minutes to make it, but it it was legitimately amazing. So if anybody out there knows a Peruvian spot in Winnipeg, I'd love to hit it up. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get them on the episode. We'll get them on for Friday's episode for yeah. sure. It was really, really good, though. Really, really good. Really good food trip. I'm, 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 you've sold me. I got to go down to Peru, I guess, or at least yeah. Miami. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe Miami first, and then <laughs> see if you go to Lima after that. Um, interesting, too, Tyson. I don't know if, if you would have guessed this or not. I would say 40, 40 Florida Panthers jerseys I saw down there. Oh, really? People wearing them in the street. Oh, so maybe you know, I guess with Tampa being good at like and Florida really starting to be good, you I guess now it's starting to take over, and I guess some of those other Florida teams stink a bit. So I was just kidding. Oh. <laughs> there wasn't a Panthers jersey in sight. <laughs> Come on, why did you have to do them? Like I know. <laughs> Barkov, Maurice, and Ekblad could be walking down the street, and they nobody within four hundred feet would even bat an eye towards. <laughs> Um, Miami's good though. I mean, if you want to, if you want to go to a place that makes you feel awful about your body, Miami is the best spot to go to <laughs> because despite certain segments of the American population, um, I don't think there is an ounce of fat in Miami. So, um, I'm going to try, maybe I'll Google like Peruvian health dishes, see if I can get back on the wagon. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm in, I'm in a tough spot right now. <laughs> Enough of that though. We did talk Jets Panthers in our previous episode. Um, but we'll switch gears to the most recent game for the Winnipeg Jets. A bit of a tough one, a bit of a, a bit of a crappy game. <laughs> if we're being honest, the Jets fall five two to the Washington Capitals. Uh, pretty much undone by a awful second period. The Caps score four times. The Jets looked like maybe they might have a comeback in them by getting two quick ones in the third. Played pretty good in the third, just couldn't find a way to get that third one and 
and put a lot more pressure on on the Capitals there. But yeah, the, not not the best performance by a long shot by the Jets, and, and probably you know close to a month. They, I mean, they've had some losses, but they've been playing pretty good even when they've they've dropped points here. This was just a, a, a rare downer for the club. And I'll get into some of the breakdown of the game here, Tyson. But you know what stood out to me about the loss? How not worried I am. It, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, right? Like, I'm still kind of getting used to the to the Jets, you know, solidifying themselves at the top of the league standings here. But if they, like, if this would have happened November even, we'd be here going, this is trouble time. Like, I don't know. Are they yeah. going to find a way to bounce back? Like, October, if this would have happened, it would have been, oh, God, same old, same old. But now it's like, meh. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah, you sucked. You, you had a crappy period. You know, Washington, despite not being who they were, they're, they're still a good team, all that. I, I, have, I have no concern. It's just like it's a blip in the radar here. I mean, maybe even in a good way, a bit of a wake-up call so they're extra on edge in their matchup on Tuesday night against the Vegas Golden Knights, which I will actually be attending in person, by the way. Same here. Um, oh, I'll see you there. Actually, I won't because they'll be working. I might have a cold <laughs> one with me. Um, but I, I think everyone's kind of in agreement here in the sense of, you know, you drop a 5-2 decision at the Capitals, and it's just like, meh, oh, well, back to the drawing board. Let's get at it on Tuesday. The, the It's a testament to how well the Jets have played all season long that it's like, look, we got faith in Rick Bonus to get these guys ready to go and, you know what? It's just uh, it's it's an ugly one, but I think the expectation now is, hey, now they're going to reel off three wins in a row and, and get right back at it and and play as well as they have done all season long. Yeah, and even with Washington too. I mean, like they their record isn't what it could be based on past seasons, but they've been really banged up, and they're finally starting to get a, a lot of their guys back. And you know, this win against the Jets makes it four in a row now for those Capitals. So maybe. Jets kind of just caught them at a wrong at the wrong time. They didn't play their best game. Capitals seem to be on top of their game. I agree with you. There's really not too much to worry about with this with after this game. I mean, if we get a couple in a row like this, then I think you can then your concerns can start to be a little bit more valid. But right now, I think you know water under the bridge. Let's keep this train moving. Yeah, exactly. Right. It, it, it's just it's a it's a bump. It's a speed bump. Yeah, it's a speed bump on the way to on the way to a division title. Let's let's hope. Right. So I, I don't think anybody's too concerned. The the interesting thing with Washington is they're really difficult, especially when you only face them twice a year with with the conference, you know, outside of the conference. They they play a really unique style of hockey. Like they, I I don't. It's not necessarily like good or bad, but they're just so different from almost any team in the NHL that it can be a bit jarring and and difficult to play against when you only see them a couple of times. I mean, they, 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 one of the rare teams that uses every inch of the ice, like they're always trying to stretch the opposition out. I, I forget, it might've been Lowry or, or Nate Schmidt after the game saying, you know, it's, it's difficult, you know, especially when they break out, their forwards leave the zone really quickly, which is rare. But they pull everybody towards the the other blue line there, and they are able to generate a ton of space, kind of in the neutral zone and in their own zone. And it, it it's just it's it's difficult. It's it's just odd because you don't face it too often. And even in the offensive zone, I mean, they're even at this stage in their timeline, I guess they're as good as anybody at finding seams and creating dangerous passes, right? 
Um, they're they're really good activating the defense, trying to find high quality looks. They're not going to put up 35 shots every night, but they'll put up 25, and about 10 of them are going to be really dangerous. And they've got lethal shooters, and and when they're on, they're they're difficult. And they were on against the Jets. I mean, some really really nice goals, ones that you almost kind of tip your cap to the opposition and say, hey, you know, this. So yeah, you guys are playing good hockey tonight, and you move forward there. But I think there's that aspect of it too, where it's a difficult matchup. Maybe the Jets weren't at their best, and that leads to a game like that. But I, I still think no, no real reasons for concern. I mean, the fourth line was their their biggest weak link in that game. The fourth line has been so steady all year long, so I don't think anybody's going to raise any alarm bells over that. Um, maybe the power play would be the one thing you'd point to and say you'd hope for it to be a little little stronger maybe that could have turned the tide of the game right Two nothing instead it's a shorthanded penalty shot but even then right like it was a hell of a play by kuznetsov like a, a an unreal play to set that whole thing in motion there um i i just don't think there's a whole lot to worry about from that game specifically on on winnipeg side of things you know hellebuck's gonna i think be ready to go and, and have a bigger game against vegas uh the top six i think continue to to look good cole perfetti is Cole Perfetti's starting to find his stride, which is pretty neat. You know, you wondered when we'd start to see, like, the major, major... The numbers have been okay, but I think more and more over this last stretch of games, we're starting to see Cole Perfetti assert himself, and he looks like he's comfortable and and confident that, okay, I can handle the NHL now. Like, I'm an NHL... I'm an NHL player. And he's been... He's been kind of sneakily one of my more favorite Jets to watch over this recent stretch of about you know six seven eight games because he's not just being a top six forward for this team i think he's starting to become an impact player for the jets yeah no totally and we're already just like about a quarter of the way or over a quarter of the way through the season and right now i think he's got to be in your top three for calder finalists i mean maddie beniers is an obvious candidate right now logan thompson's an obvious candidate and that third spot's kind of up for grabs. And I think Cole Perfetti's almost, I think he's kind of a step above those other contenders right now. And I don't, I I mean, it's too early to say, but I, I, I'm i more confident in saying that Cole Perfetti's going to be able to keep this play up as the season goes on as compared to some of those guys who are behind him in the, in the rookie scoring race. So I, yeah. I I think that Cole Perfetti's got as good of a chance as, as any of those top three to win the Calder. I mean, it's going to be tough, but... Hey, it starts on Tuesday when you light up Logan Thompson for th- for a hat and pump up those numbers. That was, I think, that was my pick for rookie of the year, by the way. So you know, not saying, but just saying, I kind of kind of nailed that one. But it does seem like Perfetti is at the very least a shoe in for top five, right? Yeah. Like it's probably going to be some combo of Beniers, Power, Thompson, Perfetti, and then usually there's always one one kid that kind of goes. Let's go supernova in the second Michelli, half of the nowhere. Michelli in Arizona. I mean, I I never heard of him before. Yeah. <laughs> I just I can't do Arizona type. I, <laughs> I I saw the highlights of the game against Philly yesterday. That just such a joke. Get like just <laughs> enough already. Get these clowns out of the NHL and get an actual professional franchise in here. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I, I there's still more positives despite an, a negative result there for the Jets. But it does set up a really, really interesting slate of games for the next two before we get back at it in our next episode. Vegas and Nashville, it's a hell of a test. And looking at the standings too, Tyson, shockingly, Winnipeg-Dallas tied for first in the division right now. There's a freaking seven-point difference (laughs) between those two and 3-4 in the division, Colorado-Minnesota. 
look, Colorado's going to be fine, but they're so injured right now. If you can maybe make it 10 points before, like, in the next little while, like, that's a crazy amount. Like, you might, if you play really good hockey over this next stretch, you might you might guarantee a top two spot in the division. Like it's some really, really important games here. So hopefully this poor result against Washington is more of a one-off than a, than a trend to come, but we'll worry about that as we get a little bit closer to it. A few other things we got to touch on quickly here. Uh, Look around the NHL, some of the news and notes, some prospect talk for the jets as well. And predictions, predictions that will live in infamy. We'll get to that in in just a sec. But before we do that, let's give a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Do you like turning $5 into $150? Well, you're just like me then because I like money too. And you can do that by picking any NHL team to win their game. And that's the amount you win if they do. Plus, you can combine multiple bets together with same game parlays. And score your shot at an even bigger payout with our friends over at DK. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game. And get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. So we always do our before the season some bold predictions for the upcoming year. Do you know where we're going with this one? Uh, I think I'm. I think I got an idea where we're going with this. And I and I let me just let me just say no. Stop still, it. No. Still stop a lot of time it. left in his career. <laughs> stop. But if you check if you check out NHL.com, that's it's weird. It's weird. It doesn't say forty goal scorer Eli Tolvanen picked up on waivers by CIA. It, it just says. Tolvin and claimed by the Kraken. Well, it should say future 40 goal scorer Eli Tolvin. And I mean, he just, Nashville just, they just didn't know what they had with, with the Tolvin. And so he's going to move to Seattle. He's going to play with Burakovsky, Maddie Beniers. And he's just, that's where, hey, we might see 40 this year. <laughs> For those that don't know, not, not this season, but before last season, Tyson's bold prediction was that Eli Tolvin would score. 40 goals in one season at the NHL level for the Nashville Predators. It, it hasn't quite come to fruition just yet. Um, we'll see if he cracks 40 in his NHL career before we start talking about uh, 40 goals in a single season there. But I will say this about the Tolvanen signing. I, I, I still don't get it from Nashville's perspective unless there's something character-wise that we don't know about. Yeah. But it was refreshing to see the Winnipeg Jets not get a chance at claiming, right? Like they're so high up in the standings, they didn't get a chance to pass on them, and then everybody gets upset there. Um, I mean, look, I think it's a worthwhile. I'm surprised he made it to Seattle. I was just gonna say, like oh, that's I, 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 teams are so hesitant on waivers to pick up. Like it's it's baffling. You're telling me that you have like you, you get 50 contracts at the NHL level. You're telling me that. He is not one of the 50 best players in essentially any NHL franchise. Like, it, it makes no sense. Even for, like, a Arizona, Chicago, like, those teams, you wouldn't pick him up, see if he explodes or not. And then even if you flip him at the deadline for, like, a fifth, costs you nothing. Yeah. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. 
don't know. I, I'm in agreement with you. And in all seriousness, too, I mean, that's a pretty bad miss by me. But, you know, you, fortune favors the bold. So sometimes you got to go big or go home. And uh, I, I don't think fortune favors the bold. <laughs> I, I, everyone says that, but I, I don't think that's true <laughs> because we didn't make any bold predictions that were any good. So, hey, no worries. We, we've, we've all, I mean, we, that would be a great show, actually, to find out everybody's like worst prediction of all time. Like oh, yeah. just for like the NHL. Oh, yeah. I, I know I, I did. I think I, I sent out a tweet. Um, Justin Schultz. Remember he was like the biggest prospect. Like the, he's going to be an all-star for the Oilers. It was like two games into his career. He had like four points. And I think I tweeted like, here comes a future Norris trophy, <laughs> like three-time winner, Justin Schultz. And, ooh. Yeah. So he's, still- he's starting to heat up a bit though right now too. Maybe hey, don't. Hey, don't, don't don't cut your eggs before they hatch, Brandon. There's still a lot of career left. Maybe the Kraken are the key to everything in all this. Yeah. Shuffle with a couple Norris. Tolvin, it's a 50-goal guy. We're good to go. <laughs> Save uh, our predictions. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I, I, maybe I'll touch that next year. Um, but we'll get to a few other news and notes quickly here. But I do want to touch, Tyson. You've got a, um, you know, people are always interested in the prospects for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, and, and probably don't have a, you know, even for some of the more hardcore fans, they, they don't get a chance to watch them very much. Maybe you get to see some of the moose, um, but a lot of people don't get a chance to watch them in person. A lot of people don't know how they're doing. So people are always interested as to how the uh, the prospects in the future for this team are uh, performing so far this year. Get excited for a couple of guys and uh, you've got the latest on on some of the Winnipeg Jets prospects, right? Yeah, and there's and man, the Jets, you got to give credit to the Jets scouting staff. If you're if your model for building a team is going to be draft and develop, you you're going to have to hit on some picks other than your first rounders. I and, will, let me say this quickly, Tyson. On that note, because people have been getting on the Jets for not properly properly developing youngsters in the past. <laughs> I don't know. This team does it about as good as anybody else. I mean, yeah. Tampa Bay is kind of the the king of that. And I don't think anybody's really all that close to the Lightning, but but the Jets are certainly in the upper half of the league. Just just because some of these guys don't pan out doesn't mean the Jets didn't develop them properly. But look up and down this roster right now. That like you said, the number of picks outside the first round that are contributing at a pretty high level. Not even taking into account guys like Andrew Kopp or, or Brandon Tanev that have that have left the organization. The team does do a really good job. But keep going on. Yeah, no, and just, yeah, so since with the draft and develop, you're going to have to hit on some of those picks outside of the first round. And just looking at at some of the prospects that the Jets have, they've got one in, that's over in Russia. His name is Dmitry. I really don't want to butcher this, but it's Dmitry Revshevsky. And he is Revshevsky. And he has been just a steal for the Jets so far. I mean, just looking at his numbers so far this season, in 40 games, he's got 26 points in the KHL playing on the top six. I mean, there's not much more you can ask for a top, for a fifth round pick for the Jets and man like he it's his skill level is really apparent whenever you watch him play he's not afraid he's really not afraid to make a, a super skillful skillful deke and he use and he still uses his teammates very well and I think that he's a guy that I mean with all that's going on outside of the hockey world with Russia and it may be a little tougher to get some of these guys over, but I would love to see the Jets do whatever they can to try to get Rashevsky over here as soon as possible. Because yeah, I think and, and to play a high role in the K as a teenager slash like early tw- it's difficult. Like a lot like even the the high end first round picks generally don't play as much as he has for two years now. Like he's 
they got a steal. There's no doubt about that. It's just going to be how good he ultimately ends up being. Yeah, no, for sure. And then we're moving on a bit to another Russian. Or I believe he's right. He might actually be. I could, we could double check this, but I believe he might be Belarusian. Is Dmitry Kuzmin, who plays for the Flint Firebirds in the OHL. I mean, the Flint Firebirds. Uh, a couple of years ago, they had some. There's, they were one of the worst teams in junior and Canadian junior hockey history a couple of years ago. But he's uh, even he's off to a great start so far this season. He's got 26 points so far this year in 29 games, close to a point per game, and he's been a big, big part of that team so far. Another Russian guy in the OHL, Belarusian. I, I just looked it up. Oh, right. Yeah. Sorry. Belarusian for Ruzman. But another Russian player that plays in the in the OHL that the Jets have is Danny Zhilkin. He was, a, I believe, a third round pick this past year. And man, like just looking back at this past draft for the Jets and they hit it out of the park. Ooh. My goodness. <laughs> they got Rutger McGordy in, with their first pick, obviously. And he's off to a great start. He's going to be a lock for the U.S. World Juniors team coming up. Brad Lambert at the end of the first round. Elias Salmonson on in the second round, and then Danny Jilkin in the third round. I mean, Danny Jilkin's off to a great start for this Guelph Storm team, and he's been really, really impressive this year. I mean, a lot of the people, a lot of the people I've talked to that have just been I cannot can't believe kind of the the progression he's been on already. And he's kind of, I I think going into that draft year, he was kind of projected to be kind of a late first, early second round pick there, and you know, there's for whatever reason he kind of fell in the draft, and the Jets. Then man, the Jets seem to just like those kind of guys who seem to fall in the in the draft, and then everyone looks back and be like, "Oh, why did this guy fall so far?" Like, it, and so, uh, Danny Jelkin, I'm really ha- I'm really excited to see keep his career going, and hopefully he comes over soon and makes an impact pretty quickly here. And I mean, Brad Lambert too. I mean, we've talked about Brad Lambert at nauseum at the beginning of the year and just his skill set and everything he's done. I mean, he hasn't put up quite the numbers that you thought that we'd expect early on him and Chaz Lucius have had some struggles for different reasons with both guys. I mean, Chaz has obvious injury concerns, which is something that, you know, you hope gets figured out. It's, I mean, you hate to see a a kid that young just kind of suffer with injuries time and time again, just as he's trying to get into the NHL. I mean, we already see with a guy like Logan Stanley, who's having some injury problems, just how tough it is. And I, I couldn't even imagine how tough it is for a, a young guy coming in. So hopefully things get figured out there and we start to see it. We start to see all the, all of his skill set gelled t- together. Cause he's a, such a nice player. He's got such a nice skill set. He could really help this jets team. Yeah. He's, and yeah I mean, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, he's, he's, he's been great when he gets to play. That's the issue, right? Is, yeah. you know, he's so, yeah, look, he's young. Who knows? It could be a string of bad luck. It could be something that's maybe a little more ominous, but that's the thing I guess that's kind of the good part, I guess. It's not can he play, it's can he be healthy enough to play. He's got the skill, he's just got a... What's the old saying with some old football coach? The best the best ability is availability. Yeah, so totally. that, that's that's probably going to be the the big talking point for Lucius in the, in the early part of his uh, pro career. Um, for those that are interested as well with the World Juniors, basically a week away, well, less than two weeks away now... Um, Corey Pronman, a scout for The Athletic, had his projected U.S. lineup. And it includes two of the guys that Tyson was just talking about there. Uh, they won't feature on the top line, but as of right now, pending good health, Corey Pronman has Chaz Lucius as the second-line center uh, with Dylan Dugan, Will Smith. Nice. 
Dylan Duke and Will Smith flanking him out there on the wings. And then Rucker McGordy is on left wing on the third line, which is centered by Redmond Savage, which is, I don't know who's got Redmond Savage, but that is an elite hockey day. Like that kid's going somewhere. Never seen that him is- play, but he's going to be a superstar with a name <laughs> like that. Um, so that, that's pretty neat, right? That, you know, sounds like not even just, well, they make the team. They're going to make the team. and They're going to play some pretty uh, significant roles for, for Team USA uh, right before they get absolutely annihilated by uh, Connor Bedard and Team Canada. So good for the U.S. And, and, and good for the Jets there. That's that's pretty exciting stuff. And yeah, like you said too, Brad Lambert, for those that don't know, three points in 13 games for the Manitoba Moose. So yeah, a bit of a tough stretch for him. Uh, he took a big hit in a game over the weekend I saw too. Uh, look, it, he's an 18-year-old kid playing pro hockey against men. Like, it, it, this is what happens. It's, it's difficult and adjusting to the smaller ice surface too. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's going to be a bumpy road for him, especially at the start. But I think in the long run, this is going to pay off for him. I don't. I don't even know if he makes the Jets next year, to be honest. But you know, by time year three rolls around, I think the Jets are going to have a pretty, uh, pretty impressive prospect on their hands. He's going to be. He's going to be contributing in a big way sooner than later. But. Am I worried about three points in 13 games as an 18, 19-year-old? Not a lick. The kid's going to be just fine. Uh, I'd be very intrigued. Don't be shocked if at the end of the year we're talking about a uh, 10 points in eight-game stretch for Brad Lambert to close out the season and we all get excited about what he can do um, going into year two for the Winnipeg Jets. But good job there. appreciate it. Yeah. And we'll also- make that a regular thing, um, maybe, maybe once a month, do a, a Jets prospect breakdown, a check-in to see how the future's doing. Right, and I just wanted to add one more thing on the prospect uh, on the prospect front. I mean, it's tough to think uh, a future with the Jets with no Connor Hallebuck, but the Jets have got two really intriguing goalie prospects, actually. I mean, with with Gary Salmon in for the Moose right now, and I'm I really hope I don't butcher his name, but Dominic DiVincenzi, who's the starting goalie for the North Bay Battalion right now, who are one of the top teams in the entire CHL, not just the OHL. They're actually the top team in the OHL. But then he's been, DiVincenzi has been off to a great start. He's really held down the fort in front of a strong, a strong North Bay team. So that's great to see. And I've been on the Oscar Salmon and train since you have since the preseason. I think he's a real, I honestly think he's a really good goalie. And I think that, Next season, I think he's definitely got a chance to be the backup, and I think he should be the backup. And it's just, it's nice to, it's when you have a young backup who's got NHL fringe starter potential, it's nice just to have that extra insurance. And so I think the Jets have done a really good job in plucking him for free. They didn't even draft him, they just signed him. And so just a great job by the Jets scouting staff to find these kind of unheralded gems in the late rounds and just and signings overall, too. So I'm really excited for the Jets' future still. Yeah, yeah. And if you ever have any uh, doubts about pronouncing it right, Tyson, just go Divincenze. <laughs> yeah, everyone will get yeah, Divincenze. That, that's a, a another. If the Jets could have Redmond Savage and Dominic Divincenze, that's that's a legendary all name team right there. Um, but good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, hey, look, let's you know, no offense to Divincenze, but let's hope we're not talking about him um, <laughs> anytime soon because Hellebuck's here to stay for the next uh, decade or so there. Uh, but that's where we'll leave it for this episode here. We'll wrap it up there uh, because we got a big week ahead of us. Uh, we'll get back at it to close out the week on Friday. 
But man, oh man, a couple of big time games for the Winnipeg Jets and none bigger than the Tuesday night contest against the Vegas Golden Knights. Maybe the two best teams in the Western Conference going toe to toe at Canada Life Center, followed by a divisional matchup against the Nashville Predators, who have kind of been scuttling along all season long, but they always provide a bit of a tough challenge for the Jets here. So hopefully we're not talking about a losing streak. Hopefully we're talking about two big results for the team when we get back at it to close out the week. Until then, though, thanks to CJOB's Tyson Rewicki for stopping by once again. And thank you for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Like I said, we'll be back at it on a Friday morning, breaking down the matchups for the Winnipeg Jets against the Golden Knights and the Nashville Predators. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe and have a great time, everybody. Peace.